Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have episode 45 in my Bioweapons Blues series. I've covered this for a year, so my first episode was literally last year in August 2022. Today is August 18th, 2023. There's still information settling. There's much more information coming out. So I'm going to play some clips uh, that include Senator Ron Johnson, Senator Rand Paul, Fauci being grilled by them. But this first clip is pretty incredible. It's uh, basically talking about pre-planning for this pandemic, Event 201. And so I'm going to title this episode, Evidence of Pre-Planning and and Intent. So that'll be Bioweapon Blues 45, Evidence of Pre-Planning and Intent. So I'm going to play these clips, but uh, what I've realized is how evil Fauci is really much more of a demon and a monster than I actually originally thought. I, it's it's just extraordinary to me that, uh, you know, the government was working with social media to amplify lies and suppress truth and has been doing so repeatedly. Why couldn't the American people know that, you know, there were other alternatives to treat COVID? Why, why can't the American people know that there were side effects with the vaccine? This is all pre-planned by an elite group of people. That's what I'm talking about. Event 201 that occurred in late 2019 prior to the rest of us knowing about this pandemic. Again, yeah. Yeah, th- this is very concerning in terms of what has happened, what is happening, uh, what continues to be planned for our loss of freedom. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it needs to be exposed, but unfortunately there are very few people even in Congress that are willing to take a look at this. Uh, they, they all push the vaccine. Uh, they don't want to, you know, be, be made aware of the fact that the vaccines might have caused injuries, might have caused death. But, you know, so, so many people just simply don't want to admit they were wrong and they're going to do everything right. they can to make sure that they're not proven wrong. We're, well, we're up against people, a very powerful group of people here, Maria. But, you know, fortunately, you say, what can we do? Well, you know, we do have reporters like yourself, like John Solomon, other people that have the, the courage to report the truth against the mainstream media and against the narrative. But that's the only way this is going to be solved, is we need the truth to be exposed. We need more Americans to listen to the truth, to be exposed to the truth, to pull their heads out of the sand, quite honestly, open up their eyes and understand what is happening in this country. We are going down a very dangerous path, but as a path is being laid out and planned by an elite group of people that want to take total control over our lives. And that's what they're doing bit by bit. They do it by increasing ma- you know, massive government spending, increase the size of government, uh, take over of the WHO. These amendments that are coming up uh, that are going to be voted on in 2024 on the WHO are frightening, and they, they really risk taking away all of our sovereignty. Uh, people have to awake, awaken to the dangers of the moment. And information just came out about Fauci, how much he made in royalties, $325 million. With Collins, so they both had a financial interest during this uh, mass murder event. And uh, this clip of this next clip will be of Rand Paul asking him how much money he made, and he's just dodging the question. And then we'll go into another clip of Rand Paul with Anthony Fauci. Here's what I want to know it's not just about you, everybody on the vaccine committee. Have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Can you tell me Uh that? Can you tell me if anybody on the vaccine approval committees ever received any money from people making vaccines? Soundbite number one, are you going to let me answer a question? Okay, so let me give you some information. First of all, 
According to the regulations, people who receive royalties are not required to divulge them even on their financial statement, according to the Bayh-Dole Act. Here's what I want to know. It's not just about you. Another question for you. The NIH continues to refuse to voluntarily divulge the names of scientists who receive royalties and from which companies. Over the period of time from 2010 to 2016, 27,000 royalty payments were paid to 1,800 NIH employees. We know that not because you told us, but because we forced you to tell us through the Freedom of Information Act. Over $193 million was given to these 18 employee, 1,800 employees. Can you tell me that you have not received a royalty from any entity that you ever oversaw the distribution of money in research grants? Um, well, first of all, let's talk about royalty. That's the question. No, that's the question. Have you oh, ever no, overseen, have you ever received a royalty plan. payment from a company that you later oversaw money going to that company? You know, I don't know as a fact, but I doubt it. Well, well here's the thing is, why don't you let us know? Why don't you reveal uh, how much you've gotten and from what entities? The NIH okay, refuses. Set, set Look, we ask them. We ask them. The NIH, we ask them whether or not who got it and how much. They refuse to right. tell us. They sent it redacted. Here's what I want to know. It's not just about you. Everybody on the vaccine committee, have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Right. Can you tell me uh, that? Can you tell me if anybody on the vaccine approval committees ever received gonna, any money from people who make vaccines? Are you going to let me answer a question? Soundbite number one, are you going to let me answer a question? Okay, so let me give you some information. First of all, according to the regulations, people who receive royalties are not required to divulge them even on their financial statement, according to the Bayh-Dole Act. So let me give you some example. From 2015 to 2020, I, the only royalties I have was my lab and I made a monoclonal antibody for use in vitro reagent that had nothing to do with patients. And during that period of time, my royalties range from $21 a year to $7,700 a year. And the average per year was $191.46. It's, it's all redacted and you can't get any information on the 1,800 Senator scientists. Your, your time is gone. So we want to know whether or not Paul. people got money from the people who made the manufacturing. Senator Paul, your time is long over expired. I gave you an additional two and a half minutes. The witness has responded. We are going to move on. And the following audio is from both Fauci and Walensky line. They already should have been arrested. They are absolute criminals and evil people. Whether you felt there had been a communication error for, from government officials throughout this pandemic by suggesting initially that the primary reason to get vaccinated was to prevent you getting COVID at all, as opposed to reducing the severity well, I think it was the question of what people interpreted. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. The 94 and 95 percent efficacy in those trials was prevention of symptomatic disease, not prevention of infection. 
that when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Question of what people interpreted. The fact that we know now that these vaccines are highly, highly effective, number one. Number two, they're really, really good against variants. Question of what people interpreted. People interpreted. It was a lot of people understandably felt that I'm not going to get infected at all. Now, that could have been done better communicating to the public, I admit. And so I, I just can't face another surge when there's so much optimism right at our fingertips. The following is kind of a detailed report about Fauci and COVID and the origins of COVID. It's from Australia TV, but I have included it in its entirety. I think it's important to listen to. Anthony Fauci has hit back at claims he covered up the origins of COVID-19 to protect his own reputation. The man who was technically Fauci's boss during the pandemic, Robert Kadlik, gave me an exclusive interview where he said that Fauci tried to downplay the notion that COVID leaked from a lab because his agency had been funding research in Wuhan. Kadlik was the former Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response at the US Department of Health. He led Operation Warp Speed to develop COVID vaccines. In my interview with him, Kadlik admitted to conversations that he personally had with Fauci where they decided to downplay the idea of a lab leak. He told me, and I quote, I think Tony Fauci was trying to protect his institution and his own reputation from the possibility that his agency was funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology researchers, who beyond the scope of the grants received from the National Institutes of Health, may have been working with People's Liberation Army researchers on defensive coronavirus vaccines. He said, I think it's evident from his later released emails obtained via FOI, that he, Fauci, had more sense of what his institute had funded at that moment. Kadlik says this was a reputational risk to him and his institute, and certainly he probably sided with the international scientists that believe that false or unsubstantiated accusations could have a chilling effect on scientific collaboration between the Western world and China. Kadlik says when we talked about this in advance of that call, he, Fauci, would just try and see if he could get the scientists to take the temperature down, turn the rhetoric down. And it went on in that article I wrote a couple of weeks ago in The Australian. This extraordinary revelation made headlines globally. This comes as Dr. Fauci's former boss suggests the former White House advisor might have silenced the science on the Wuhan lab to protect his own reputation. Sky News host Sherry Markson broke the story in The Australian. In Robert Kadlik's own admission, this is a deliberate decision to deflect attention away from the Wuhan lab. And he says he thinks Anthony Fauci was trying to protect his own interests. He did an interview last night with The Project where we asked him about Kadlik's comments. What's your response to what he said? What is so unfortunate is what's happened with rumor and innuendo and conspiracy theory. If you look at the things like emails, I said what you need to do is to 
in a very open way get a number of the best scientists in the world and take a look at that. And if in fact it's true, we should notify the FBI, MI5 and everybody. That is documented in an email. And then after it was over, I then also summarized saying, what you need to do is when you make your decision, publish it in the open literature so that it can be peer reviewed by everybody. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a cover up. So Fauci not actually denying that they deliberately downplayed suggestions the virus leaked from a lab. But in that interview, he did double down on his claim the whole way through that the virus was natural. Despite the disinformation that goes around about conspiracies and things like that, but then you say to yourself, take a look at what are the data that would strongly indicate one versus the other. Not TikTok and tweeting, but scientific reviewed literature that give not conclusive proof, but strong evidence that it's a natural occurrence superimposed upon the historical perspective that this has happened before with SARS-CoV-1, with MERS. Then you look at the other side of the coin and you say, what are the evidence, suggestive or otherwise, that it's a lab leak? But coronavirus outbreaks in Beijing have also started before with a lab leak. Secondly, there is actually a preponderance of evidence that links the Wuhan Institute of Virology to COVID-19. It's not incontrovertible or conclusive, but there is a lot of evidence. The scientists were conducting gain-of-function research on coronaviruses. A grant proposal by the Wuhan Institute of Virology has leaked, which scientists say is a blueprint for the creation of SARS-CoV-2. And the Wuhan Institute of Virology has refused to release its database of around 22,000 viruses, which it took offline in 2019. This lab at the Wuhan Institute of Virology also houses the world's largest collection of viruses and was conducting gain-of-function research into them. Oh, and its scientists fell sick in November 2019 with COVID-like symptoms in what some intelligence agencies suspect was the first cluster of the pandemic. And for more detail on all of that, you can read my book. Fauci also still holds up that proximal origins paper authored by a group of international scientists in the early days of the pandemic to say that the virus didn't leak from a lab. But another group of prestigious international scientists are now calling for that paper to be retracted. A key reason the journal Nature Medicine hasn't retracted it is because they say it's effectively an opinion piece, a commentary, not a piece of rigorous scientific research. And I reported recently on a scientific paper produced by intelligence agency scientists that absolutely demolished that paper. The Defence Intelligence Agency's National Centre for Medical Intelligence, well, a document that they produced states that the Proximal Origins paper, and I quote, does not prove that the virus arose naturally. In fact, the features of SARS-CoV-2 noted by Anderson et al. 
are consistent with another scenario that SARS-CoV-2 was developed in a laboratory by methods that leading coronavirus researchers commonly use. That paper by the world's most qualified scientists working for the intelligence community. But now to the most curious statement Anthony Fauci made in that interview. Have a look. I think people would be interested, though, in this idea that you were funding research with that Wuhan lab. A, were you? And B, is that fairly common practice? Oh, it's totally common practice. We fund labs throughout the world, including Australia. And another thing that gets lost in the translation, it was a $120,000 grant out of a $6 billion budget. We call that pencil dust when it comes <laughs> to funding. And I'm glad you're giving me the opportunity to say this, because if you look at the viruses that they were studying, they were doing surveillance to try and determine are there viruses out in the environment that actually have the capability of infecting humans. You would have heard there that he said this was a $120,000 grant. Well, that is a lie. Now, Fauci would not have been too keen for people to question why his agency was funding risky research in a lab where the US had no oversight and where there was involvement by the Chinese military. But let's have a look at that $120,000 figure that he cited. This report, and you can't get more credible, is the United States Government Accountability Office report to Congress. The United States Government Accountability Office report to Congress. It's titled NIH, National Institutes for Health, could take additional actions to manage risks involving foreign sub-recipients. And that's what the Wuhan Institute of Virology was, a sub-recipient. It states, this report, that the Wuhan University, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and the Academy of Military Medical Sciences received seven sub-awards, totaling over $2 million from 2014 to 2021 from two U.S. agencies, the National Institutes of Health and the U.S. Agency for International Development. The money was funneled through EcoHealth Alliance and other American universities. In total, $1.4 million went from the US to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, just in that short time frame, 2014 to 2021, and about $600,000 of that from the NIH. Now, what did that money go towards? And I quote, understanding the risk of bat coronavirus emergence. It was this project that saw the scientists go into caves in the Yunnan province and collect bat samples and take them back to their lab in Wuhan for experimentation. Now, the NIH also gave $200,000 directly to the Wuhan University. And we've seen recently in emails that have been subpoenaed by Congress that Fauci early in the pandemic admitted that Wuhan University was also doing gain-of-function research. Now, separately, there's this grant document obtained under freedom of information laws that shows that from 2019 until 2024, $3.5 million was awarded to the Wuhan Institute of Virology investigator Ben Hu via EcoHealth Alliance. And that was from Fauci's 
National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases for, and I quote, understanding the risk of that coronavirus emergence. And that investigator, Ben Hu, by the way, he's the scientist dubbed patient zero because he was one of the three to first fall sick with COVID-like symptoms in November 2019, and he was hospitalised. And it's this exact reason why many question whether American funding may have led to the creation of COVID-19. So once again here, Anthony Fauci's statements do not stand up to scrutiny. And US Republican Rand Paul thinks there should be a perjury probe and charges brought against Fauci for lying to Congress when he falsely claimed the US wasn't funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan. And remember, the ABC and the Sydney Morning Herald had interviews with Fauci a week earlier. They didn't bother to ask him about this at all, as Chris Mitchell pointed out in his column in The Australian this week. This is another one of Walensky, another demon from the pit of hell. Should have been arrested. Uh, when the head of the CDC, Ms. Walensky, said that the vaccinated can get the virus, did that undermine trust in government? Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. We have no reason to believe that getting vaccinated should change your menstrual cycle or make your periods any heavier. Pfizer's director of research and development. And what he's saying is concerning, listing the reasons the vaccine could cause issues with women's menstrual cycles and even insinuating Pfizer doesn't know the long-term effects of the vaccine. Importantly, no safety concerns were observed for people vaccinated in the third trimester um, or safety concerns for their babies. We now have uh, data that demonstrates that the vaccines in whatever um, time in pregnancy um, or lactating that they're given um, are actually safe and effective and have no adverse events um, to mom or to babe. So we absolutely have the data that demonstrates the overwhelming benefit of vaccine. New paper uses government data to compare outcomes after the COVID-19 vaccines and it found a 1,200-fold increase in menstrual abnormalities. Really very little safety concerns at all. And a 57-fold increase in miscarriages. Then this is another clip of politicians lying, and then we have the new CDC director, Cohen. Uh, just another useless parasite trying to push the RSV vaccine. They're finding that some of these vaccines actually are, have... Uh, our gene therapy, they're including gene therapy without any notification. So you really got to watch out. You cannot trust any of these people to tell you the truth what's in these shots. You just can't. So who knows what's in these RSVs? Or We know that the whole gene therapy rollout was a disaster and included all kinds of poison. So anything that comes after this, you got to really watch out. So be careful. You're not going to get infected. You're okay. You're not going to... You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Hey, folks, guess you heard this morning I tested positive for COVID. And when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Dr. Fauci says he has COVID again. If you've done the right thing and gotten vaccinated, you deserve the freedom to be safe from COVID-19. 
And this morning, I learned I I tested positive for COVID-19 as well. Three doses that we prevented, not just from serious illness, but from getting this virus, this Omicron variant, and therefore giving it to others. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is in quarantine for seven days after testing positive to COVID. So I, I'm fully vaccinated. It gives me some comfort. Anthony Albanese has just tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, having received two doses of AstraZeneca, it's a very effective vaccine protection from symptomatic illness and therefore risk of transmission to others. You're okay. You're not... This week, the CDC recommended a new RSV immunization to prevent serious illness in all infants. RSV is a respiratory virus that affects the youngest and most vulnerable. As many as 80,000 children are hospitalized each year because of RSV infections, and as many as 300 die. Every death is a tragedy that can now potentially be avoided. Our recommendation this week is a historic step in the fight against this respiratory virus. When making this decision, we looked at the clinical trial data that showed that this RSV shot was 80% effective in preventing hospitalizations and healthcare visits. Now, I'm fortunate that my kids didn't have severe RSV, but my friend's daughter was hospitalized last year with it. As a parent, nothing is scarier which is why this new immunization is so critical. This RSV immunization gives your baby man-made antibodies to fend off the RSV virus. It's safe and effective and has been used for decades in the treatment of other diseases. This RSV immunization is one dose that provides protection for an entire RSV season, and that's good news. If given ahead of the RSV season, it could protect our infants from serious disease and death. I encourage all parents to talk to their doctor about the RSV immunization and whether it's right for their infant. As parents, we do everything we can to protect our children. And this immunization is one more tool we can use to keep our kids safe. There's a lot of important work taking place in Australia about the whole pandemic. And these following clips are about bungled safety and excess deaths in Australia. So I think it's important to listen to these. Set the clock for two minutes. Thank you. It's my duty. He is a senator to ensure the safety of the many different people who make up our one Queensland and Australian community. A duty every senator shares. And yet COVID injection safety was bungled so badly we're now experiencing tens of thousands of injection-related excess deaths and many more Australians have serious damage to their health. On four occasions now, I've detailed to the Senate peer-reviewed and published papers that show that COVID injections were granted approval under fraudulent circumstances, do not comply with good manufacturing process, and were made with a high level of contaminants that should have caused a batch to fail testing, are responsible for fatal adverse events, numbering far more than the Dane ad database has trapped, let alone the pharmaceutical salesman at the TGA will admit and four, are causing serious damage at rates that make a tragic joke of TGA guidance. How did all this get past the TGA safety testing? Simple answer. The TGA took Pfizer's word for COVID injection safety during application. Then the TGA took Pfizer's word for the safety of each batch as it arrived. Why? And what do we have the T TGA for? 409 times the TGA ticked and flicked the COVID injection batches without conducting its own testing. What makes this criminal? is that sequencing a vaccine sample takes a few hours and costs very little. These days, this is a routine test. 
Last Thursday night, One Nation's bill to prevent vaccine mandates in the workplace and a similar Liberal National Party bill were the subjects of a Senate inquiry hearing. Pfizer and Moderna had the opportunity to address concerns and instead chose to deliver what were apparently lawyers' scripts that failed to answer a single question that was not already public knowledge. This was foreign multinational pharmaceutical companies showing complete contempt of the Senate and thereby contempt of the Australian people. Surely now the Senate can see what it will take to get to the truth. Call a Royal Commission now. Deputy President, well, we need a Royal Commission right away because people are still dying and we don't know why. Uh, that's the fundamental reason we should have this inquiry sooner rather than later. We, the, the statistics don't lie. We've, we've got, uh, uh, unfortunately, tragically, uh, deaths in this country running at levels we've never seen before outside of war. Uh, uh, deaths, or so-called excess deaths, uh, the number of deaths above which is expected, given the age structure and, and um, history of, of, uh, of fatality in this country, is running at, uh, has been running at 15% and even higher uh, than, than on average. And, and worse, no one can tell us why. Uh, many of uh, myself and other colleagues uh, have asked the Department of Health in Senate estimates, and they don't have any answers uh, for why excess deaths are running at such a, a large number. This is, we're talking of tens of thousands of people here uh, dying unexpectedly, and, and no one has answers. Last week, last week, uh, 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 give credit to Senator Hanson and myself and other senators, uh, we put a bill into the parliament to end vaccine mandates, and last week as an inquiry into that bill, we had representatives from Pfizer and Moderna, the uh, major vaccine manufacturers which were rolled out here in this country, we had them along to an inquiry, and we know now, of course, there are side effects from the vaccine, uh, especially uh, heart issues in, in young males in particular, of myocarditis and pericarditis. The most concerning thing I thought of the evidence last week was they don't have any idea why that is happening. They admit now it is happening. They admit that there is, are these side effects from the vaccine. It's happening. Uh, but they don't have any understanding of why it might be happening. And so the question has to be asked here, why is the government still advertising for people to take these products when there is a serious side effect, a heart-related side effect that the government officials, everybody recognises, that's not controversial, and, we, and the manufacturers themselves have no idea why that's happening. They, they can't have a scientific sort of pathway for why their product is causing these particular outcomes. Meanwhile, we also have massive amounts of unexplained excess deaths in this country. So that is the fundamental reason why we should have this inquiry right away. So we try and get to the bottom of what the hell is happening, what has been done, and why, how, what can we make sure to stop people dying? Because I remember in, during the coronavirus, during the start of the pandemic, it was one death was too many. We had to lock down the country. We had to stop, stop travelling, uh, to stop, stop deaths. And, and I supported the initial response to the pandemic for that reason, better to be safe than sorry. But now we seem to have gone past all that, and tens of thousands of people are dying in an unexplained way. Yet we're not even asking questions about why. Uh, there's a serious disconnect, and you must, must. I think we, I think one of the reasons we're not getting this inquiry is because people, some people, are afraid of what the answers might be. Some people that were responsible for the policies uh, of the pandemic might be a little afraid that the answers might embarrass the decisions they made. That is no good reason not to have an inquiry. It's actually more reason uh, to have an inquiry so we can make sure we do not make the mistakes again.
And finally, one other reason we need to have this inquiry is because it was something that was promised. The Prime Minister promised an inquiry in his National Press Club speech last year, in January last year, before the election. And, and now, almost a year and a half on, actually it is a year and a half on, since that promise, if he's not delivering this, it's another broken promise from the Prime Minister. It's a broke, broke piece of broken trust. And I, I also recognise Senator Gallagher through you, Chair of the Chamber. He, Senator Gallagher chaired an inquiry into COVID throughout the last, and she spent her time lambasting the then government. And her, her major recommendation of that inquiry, guess what it was? at the end of her inquiry, was to have a Royal Commission into COVID. So where is that Royal Commission, Senator Gallagher? Your Prime Minister promised it. Let's Order. get on with it. Your time has expired, Senator. They also brought in some executives from Moderna and asked them questions. And uh, I think that the Moderna executives just looked terrible. They were talking about all the excess injuries and how they just dodged the questions and what were they going to do with all the profits. So... I think this is an important little few audio clips. Needs your profits. Does Moderna plough back into helping uh, people who are injured by the vaccine? Thank you. I was going to say um, um, we're aware that uh, that uh, there is a, a, a sort of a, an indemnity for COVID nineteen suppliers, uh, but indemnities are policy matter for government to decide. I can't comment. So, so Moderna doesn't put any of its profits back into helping the victims of um, uh, injuries from the Moderna vaccine, is that correct? Well, Moderna is a company that's focused on manufacturing vaccines. The matter of um, indemnity uh, in for uh, vaccine suppliers is a matter for government. I so so you're, you're not prepared to underwrite the risk of your own vaccine? You're not prepared to actually put money where your mouth is when it comes to the safety of your vaccine, is that correct? So just before you answer this question, uh, Senator Reddick, I'll have to go to Senator Antic yeah, after this answer. that's given. just the last question yeah. there. Back to, back to you. Just yes or no, you're not prepared to, to underwrite on. the safety of your own vaccine? We take safety of our vaccines very seriously. Uh, we have a very good pharmacovigilance process in place, in fact, a comprehensive one. However, I would only reiterate that um, uh, indemnities are a matter for policymakers. But, but what about a moral, social, yeah. social conscience of putting some of your profits back into helping victims of the vaccine? Zero? Is it zero dollars? I might just before you again, Dr. Leong, just before you answer that, I appreciate. Um, well, it's just as she's not answering. No, I, 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 I uh, respect you asking the questions. I just want to make sure we can get to Senator Andy can to our, our timetable, but... I'll, I'll um, just take that as a zero. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you. Um, Senator Canavan. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, gentlemen, uh, for appearing today and your evidence. Um, did Pfizer test whether your COVID-19 vaccine uh, could stop or reduce the transmission of the virus before its approval and rollout in late 2020? Senator, to bring this vaccine to patients, we were required to show that the vaccine was safe and effective in preventing illness, in preventing severe disease and in preventing hospitalisations. The primary purpose of vaccination was and remains to protect the person who received the vaccine. I'll just repeat the question. I appreciate that, but there hasn't been an answer to it. And perhaps I might just add into the record that on the 3rd of December 2020, your CEO, Mr Albert Burla, told NBC News, and I quote, 
I th when he was asked whether vaccinated people could carry and spread the virus, he responded to NBC News that, and I quote, I think this is something that needs to be examined. We are not certain about that right now. So was Mr Birla correct that as of December the 3rd, 2020, Pfizer did not know whether the vaccine could stop or reduce the spread of the virus? Senator, as with all vaccines seeking regulatory authorization, the requirement is to demonstrate in robust clinical programs that the vaccine is safe and effective in preventing the infection, and in this case, in preventing severe disease and hospitalisation. I might just give you one more. Sorry to interrupt, but I've got very limited time. I've got five minutes. So as a yes or no, did you test whether the transmission would be reduced or stopped before the approval of the, the vaccine? Senator, we designed our clinical programs in agreement with regulatory agencies, the purpose of which was to demonstrate the vaccine was safe and effective in preventing infections. OK. All right, we might, we might just move on then. The project was to do the same thing, but with a virus of the future. It was an inbound virus. It hadn't appeared yet, but it was inevitable. So in this case, we just adapted it to the trend of viral evolution and produced for the first time a vaccine before that pathogen had even emerged. It was developed by an agency in the U.S. Department of Defense called DARPA, known better for making inventing the Internet, but also responsible for Moderna, an mRNA company that's done quite well. Prophecy realized that you need genetic intelligence and you need clinical intelligence in order to give yourself time to develop emergency vaccines. That gave rise to three follow-on programs, both inside the U.S. government and by NGOs like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Medicine Sloan Frontier, and the Wellcome Trust. Then this is another clip of Dazak, Peter Dazak of the EcoHealth Alliance. He's neck deep in all these problems, talking about how to create a gain-of-function virus. And then this next clip after that will be of Dr. Martin talking about advertisements for new EU contractors in preparation for another pandemic. And then Bill Gates kind of weaseling, you know, typical weasel words and uh, deflection about what he did over this whole mass murder event. You say these are diverse uh, coronaviruses and you can't vaccinate against them, there are no antivirals. What, what, do, we, what do we do? Well, so I, I think that coronaviruses are pretty good. I mean, neurologists, you know all this stuff, but they, you can um, manipulate them in the lab pretty easily. It's yeah. just spike protein drives a lot of what happens with the yeah. coronavirus, uh, zoonotic risk. So you can get the sequence, you can build the protein, and we work with Ralph Barrick at UNC mm -hmm. to do this. Um, insert into the backbone of another virus right. and do do some work in the lab. So you can get more predictive when you find a sequence. You've got this okay. diverse into the backbone of another virus right. and do once you can build the protein. And we work with Ralph Barrick at UNC mm -hmm. to do this. Um, insert into the backbone of another virus right. and do do some work in the lab. So you can get more predictive when you find a sequence. You've got this okay. diversity. Now, the, the logical progression for vaccines is if you're going to develop a vaccine for SARS, mm -hmm. people are going to use, um, you know, pandemic SARS as Yeah, sure, sure. But let's try and insert some of these other yeah, sure. related and, and get a better vaccine. And I guess also knowledge of what's the, the vaccine for SARS. Mm -hmm. People are going to use 
um, you know, pandemic SARS is yeah, sure, sure. But let's try and insert some of these other yeah, related and, and get a better vaccine. And I get so we actually, so we actually have a contract that is circulating in Europe from the United States Department of Defense, trying to identify European contractors to be partners in the next bio attack on humanity. Well, I'm not sure that, you know, this was an interesting trust, uh, a case test of people's trust in their politicians or their health system. And, you know, statistically, uh, we didn't do as well as I would have expected. You know, in fact, you know, I'm cited as some, you know, mastermind of some evil yeah, plot uh, in many, many cases. So, no, I didn't expect any of that. Uh, you know, in some ways, the politicization of, you know, taking vaccines and helping protect other people, um, you could almost say that's a step backwards. You know, I hope vaccine acceptance for other diseases like measles is not reduced by this. But, you know, a lot of people jumped in and took the vaccines, but a meaningful minority in most countries were led down a path of believing that not only, you know, was there were there rare side effects, but that the vaccine wasn't uh, properly tested or was part of some evil conspiracy. The next clip is of comedian Jimmy Dore. He's really a truth teller. It'd be probably more accurate uh, description of his work, but just kind of talking about the vax. And then I'll do two clips of Peter, Dr. Peter McCullough talking about injuries and mass formation psychosis. And then finishing up with two monsters, Mark Zuckerberg and Governor Newsom of California, talking about uh, the vax. But the uh, whole country is just full of demon demons, just monsters. So, got to really be careful. You can't trust anybody. You can't trust Big Pharma at all. Saying that the COVID vaccine doesn't work. All I'm saying is we all got the COVID vaccine, and then we all got COVID. Imagine if we all took the polio vaccine, then we all got polio. Be like, hey, I don't think that polio vaccine works. Why? Because I got polio. <laughs> oh, well, it's just supposed to lessen your symptoms. Oh, then it worked. Then it worked. <laughs> I'm glad I got it. Oh, look at me all healthy. <laughs> I'm not saying that the COVID... So now we wait. Is that what we can do? We can just wait and see what happens and see what the injuries do to line up. We can hope that people stay away from future vaccines and boosters and and try to get the truth out. That's that's what happens next. You know, the HHS uh, Health and Human Services, United States, about a year ago, put out a blueprint for long covid research, You know, a billion dollar investment in different stra strategies. And in that document, they never consider the COVID vaccine can cause any long COVID symptoms. They couldn't cause any of these problems. They just assume it's the virus. Well, the problem is, uh, you know, there, there is a group of Americans, myself included, who got COVID in 2020. We didn't take any shots. 
So it's own, we only had the virus, that's it. Everybody after that or took the shots because they didn't work, they got COVID anyway. So the majority of people with quote long COVID, they've taken the vaccine. So they, it's all mixed up. It, clearly the vaccines are probably playing a role in how sick they are. So uh, we can't look to the government to do any post-vaccine injury research because they simply won't acknowledge it. In the HHS document, they only assume the vaccines are beneficial, not harmful. So I think it's time to take matters into our own hands. I have a major publication coming out on a key concept. It's called base spike detox. What's making people sick is the long lasting genetic code for the Wuhan spike protein, the spine on the surface of the virus. That protein is dangerous. It damages tissues. It's lethal in high concentrations. It causes blood clots and it can't be broken down or digested by the human body. It's a foreign very abnormal, very unnatural protein that was engineered in this Chinese biosecurity lab. So the spike protein is the problem, but the discovery is that some naturally available enzymes that you can take you know, orally do digest the spike protein. This is huge. First one is natokinase, natokinase, uh, a Japanese product, 2000 units twice a day is suggested dose. It's a supplement, uh, bromelain, uh, a family of enzymes derived from the stems of pineapples also breaks down the spike protein, 500 milligrams a day. And then curcumin, pr preferably liposomal curcumin derived from turmeric, helps you know buffet some of the effects of the spike protein in fragments causing damage in tissues. All of this has very good preclinical support or clinical studies, including curcumin as randomized trials. And my point is, listen, the government's not going to do a mega trial. There's not even a study planned. There are no prescription drugs that we can do, use to get this out of the body. We have to go with base spike detox. So this is now being done all over the, the world. Uh, the concepts are out there. We can add other things to it, but the base ought to be three things, natokinase, 2000 units twice a day, bromelain, 500 milligrams a day, and curcumin, 500 milligrams twice a day. You can buy it at any store, UK, US, Europe, all over the world. I think the base spike detox message is probably the biggest public health message you can get out. Young person after young people, when people die after the vaccine, there is an astonishing lack of outrage by the surviving family members. This is very important. Young person after young persons die tragically after the vaccine without any signs of concern are outraged by family members. This is a sign of what we call mass psychosis. This means that people are in the formation. It's almost like a zombie-like state where they are emotionally inert to the loss of a family member because it's happened at the end of a hypodermic needle with a COVID-19 vaccine. There is a shroud of, of shame, of guilt, of remorse, and uh, a distorted notion that this was done for someone else, for public safety, for uh, the overall beneficence of society. I can tell you, Ted, this is disturbing. When a child dies of cancer, the family members start a, a, a fund, funding campaign to help fund cancer research. When a child dies of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, the families help spawn screening programs for these uh, precipitants of sudden death. But here with COVID-19 vaccination, almost a uniform absence of family outrage over the loss of their loved one, unnecessarily so with the COVID-19 vaccine.
play a little. Biggest mistake we can make is that we pull the ripcord before we've landed, that we somehow feel like, well, we've got this. And you know what? It's already been a few weeks. And that playground or park, that beach is looking really, really nice. And, you know, no one else seems to be out there. So why don't I go out there and play a little volleyball? That's the worst mistake we can make at this moment. Biggest mistake we can make is that we pull the ripcord before